Hi friends, it's Susan. I wanted to jump in before the podcast begins and just let you know that each month we have a group of people who kindly, generously, and consistently give their resources. We are so very grateful and humbled that you see the value in this mission. Over the last two years, we have seen and experienced more than we ever anticipated. Our team is in the process of forming our 2020 calendar, and we have some big desires and dreams ahead. Our monthly podcast partners make these hopes and dreams a reality. If you would like to join our family of podcast partners, head over to our website link, shespeakstories.com, for more info on how to give. Each gift is tax deductible. In 2020, we also will be connecting with our podcast partners in fun ways, and we absolutely cannot wait. Friends, we do believe stories change lives. We have seen now firsthand of this. There is sacredness in sharing our stories. There is freedom. There is hope. And sometimes there is also loads of laughter. Thank you for joining us on this mission, dear friends. We are just getting started. Sometimes Gwen. And welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. And today we have a treat because Ooh. one of our very favorite people, Irene Rollins, highly recommended yes, this incredible woman to share her story today. And Irene was so eager about it. She was like, you need to immediately contact her and get her story. <laughs> and um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Daphnet and that we're going to jump right into her story. But Daphne, we already know, is amazing. And you've talked with her several times. Mm-hmm. And we just spent the last little bit with her. And mm-hmm. I am very eager, very eager for her to share her story. Because I do believe that there are many women that need to hear this. Yes. And um, she's written a book called The Waiting Room. And choosing to thrive when life hurts. And even some of the things that you have read from that book, powerful. Really, really powerful. Yes. So let me tell you yes. a little bit about Daphnet, and then we are going to dive right into her story. She was born a preacher's kid, the eldest of four, which Daphnet, we, I told you we could tell because you are prompt. <laughs> you are prompt, and I love it. I am not prompt, and I love when I meet somebody that has the giftings that I do not have. Susan is an only child. I am an only child. <laughs> and you know that has got good qualities and not so good qualities. <laughs> Because people say I'm the oldest and the youngest. I think I have more youngest traits than I do oldest. Yeah. Um, You are a mom to a three-year-old miracle baby, and I cannot wait to hear that story. And you're Mm -hmm. the spiritual growth pastor at The Bridge, um, a multi-ethnic church in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is right in our backyard here Mm -hmm. in the DMV. And her husband is uh, the pastor there. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) I love she that. and her husband uh, go pastor. I love that, <laughs> and I do love that it's a multi-ethnic church. Um, I fully believe that Sunday morning should mm-hmm. not be the most segregated hour in our country. It should not be, and I love that 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 is a part of your church. Um, you're an author. You love science. Look at you. I know education and the fruit of exercise, which is why I know you love Irene Rollins so much. Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, yes. she, you two, I do. I bet you exercise when you're together. 
because you both, she did a sermon recently about exercise. Did you listen to it? I saw some of the clips. Yes. Mm -hmm. I texted her and I said, my toes are smushed all over. You have stepped (laughs) on them. I mean, golly. I, I love that you love exercise. I love people that love exercise. I just need to love it myself. But I am so glad that you are with us. We are so, so, so glad. I'm excited to be here. All right, we're going to jump right in. All right, so you met uh, Jermaine, the love of your life, your first year in graduate school, and then you married in 2005. So what obstacle seemed to block your dream? Well, nine months after we got married, we found ourselves on our way to the hospital. Um, Many people, when they hear that, they're excited. Okay, we know it's about to happen. Where in my particular case, we weren't rushing to the hospital because I was about to deliver our first child. Instead, I was headed to the OR under the care of an OBGYN uh, to remove uterine fibroids. They started Uh to wreak havoc on my life. If people aren't familiar with fibroids, their growth um, in your uterus, they can cause hemorrhaging, pain, they can impact other organs, and they can even impact fertility. Mm -hmm. And so we were preparing for that surgery. And my greatest fear at the time was I lose my uterus because that's a risk if you go into that surgery and there's um, a lot of hemorrhaging, you can lose your uterus. So my biggest prayer is like, Lord, let me keep my uterus. If my yes. my uterus, we're having those children we're dreaming about. So I had the surgery. This was our first Christmas, December um, 2005. I had the surgery to God be the glory. My uterus remained intact. However, my doctor informed us that we needed to wait a year before trying to conceive. So that put fertility at the forefront of our minds and then our desire and dream to be parents. Mm-hmm. That became our one of our most persistent prayer requests. Lord, mm-hmm. you want to be parents. Oh yeah. You know that yeah. Now did you did you experience um fibroids before that time? Um yes, they were put on my radar. I can't quite remember the year. Uh, it was probably somewhere between 2003 thereabouts I remember um, experiencing pain and because my younger sister she had a surgery she was like 21 in her first surgery it put it on my radar so I sought medical attention they said oh you have fibroids Mm -hmm. but at the time it was just painful periods excessive bleeding Mm -hmm. but as time went on now it's like my doctor's like you need iron supplements you're losing too much blood um, severely anemic and so forth and even um, because I knew that a surgery may be in my, my future, I talked, Jermaine and I, we were recording at the time. I even told him, like, I may have to have a surgery and I may not be able to have children. So I felt I owed it to him because we knew yeah. our relationship was headed to marriage. So he took some time to process all of that. So it was on his radar too. But even knowing that like, I still want to marry you and we get married, but still didn't know like I need surgery because I was coexisting with these fibroids until yeah. they just yeah, started. And being- that's a lot for a young marriage to have to walk through. Yes. Especially only nine months into your marriage. That's mm-hmm. a, lot to, a lot to process. Yes. Um, and so let me ask you this. Did it what were the emotions that you felt when you were in that first year of marriage? I mean, was it, I know when I had to walk through the infertility, 
you have emotions you didn't know you had because as a single person, you deal with fertility like in a certain way, but then all of a sudden you become one with somebody Mm -hmm. and it's a different feeling because then all of a sudden, I mean, for me, I felt like I was failing my husband and his family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I had our, my parents knew, okay, your womb is messed up. You know what I mean? And so how did, what did your emotions feel like that first year when all of a sudden now you had somebody else's feelings to have to think through? Uh, I think it really hit me around the surgery. If I don't, if we lose this uterus, then oh. we can't have children. But what really hit me was fast forward years. And I think we'll get more into that. The fact that I haven't produced these offspring. So it starts to impact intimacy. And then over time, now more of your friends are getting married. Yeah. More of them are having children. Your younger siblings start having children. And so then it does impact my self-worth. Am I, mm. am I really... Uh, uh, the living the fullness of a woman and God, he, he worked with me and helped me to readjust my yes. perspective in that regard too. But there is a lot like, it's, uh, weird. it's so yeah, my body's not doing what God designed it to do. And even emotions such as envy <laughs> there, there's yes. plenty of opportunity to deal with envy and even pride. I deserve this more than he or she or they. So they're, <laughs> They're just a host of emotions from sorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So tell me this. Um, what did God give you then in the story of the Shunammite woman? You talked to, with Gwen a little bit about this. Tell us about what happened there. Yes. Yeah, so the summer after my surgery, this was summer 2006. This was the first summer that I just had a break. I didn't teach that summer. I didn't direct the day camp. So I get to sleep in a bit later. My husband actually enjoyed three meals a day. I remind him I was <laughs> working that summer when he brings that up even today. I had to- <laughs> um, and so I, I enjoy reading scripture. And that particular summer, I decided to read through the Old Testament. And one day I read through my intended stopping point and found myself in 2 Kings chapter 4, where I read a story about Elisha. He was in this town called Shunem, and he met a woman there who was very hospitable. She served him a meal. She even talked to her husband about them opening up a place in their home so that whenever Elisha was in town, Elisha could stay with them, have a meal, place to stay. And so Elisha being so grateful for this woman's hospitality, he wanted to do something for her. So he asked her, um, can I write a note to the king? What can I do for you? And she basically tells him, I don't need anything. And so uh, uh, Elisha, his servant, Jehazi, notices like she is married. She doesn't have a son and her husband is old. And in that culture, having no heir. And then if your husband's old, you could find yourself in a, as a widow soon with no one to take care of you. Mm-hmm. So Elisha is like, hmm, he calls her and says, you know what? Next year, this season, you're going to have a son. And that happened for her. So as I read that, I felt God affirming in my heart. I hear your prayer. You're going to bear offspring. So I'm wow. like, okay, okay, God. And in that passage, even tells, uh, Elisha tells the Shunammite woman, this will happen for you next year. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe next year. The doctor said, wait a year. So next year, this is happening. Mm-hmm. So one year passes, two years pass, five, eight, nine oh. years. 
it hasn't happened for me. Like, hmm, did I get this wrong, God? So I, I'm like, I know I believed you promised this to me. And of course, there's scripture that tells us one day with the Lord, you know, it's a thousand years, a thousand years, it's one day. So I know he didn't specify the time, but I'm thinking like, okay, you said a year, but it, I, what I know he communicated to me was you're going to have offspring. So that's what I got when I read that passage that mm-hmm. summer. That's amazing. It is. Now, let me ask you this, because everybody hears from God in a different way. I mean, was it, I mean, you knew that he was meeting with you right then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And for me, one, I wasn't looking for that affirmation or confirmation. Um, I believe God, he speaks to us in a way that we, we can't miss it. He knows us down to the detail. And even as my story unfolds, like his details, a handprint are all in the details. I wasn't looking for that. I was going to stop. Actually, I was studying, exploring like the roles of leaders. Like if the leader was honoring God, the nation did well. So my mind was on a different um, bandwidth at the time. And he just spoke that and I just felt this reassurance in my heart. And I do believe God, he communicates through his word. I love that. Mm-hmm. And beyond- I love that you had a moment with him about something totally different and he was faithful to talk with you through his word. Mm-hmm. I, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's beautiful. I, know. I mean, even when you're not looking for an exact answer on something, he'll mm-hmm. show up in his word. Right. It's, right. That's a reminder that when we're knee deep in his word, mm-hmm. he'll point us even when we're not anticipating it. Yes. And, and I don't even remember ever reading that story. I know I've read second King yeah. to that event. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't remember that story. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. That's something. That is something. Mm-hmm. Are you want to do yeah. one? Um, just going back to that, uh, that moment or let's, was it, yeah, well, anyway, was it 10 years before the promise was fulfilled? Yes, right. maybe a little over because our daughter, she was born in 2016 and I got that, maybe that was summer 2006. So wow, there yeah. So, so in between that, um, did you, did you doubt that that was God speaking to you? Did you you know, did I get it wrong? Did I hear you wrong, God? Or, um, yeah. yes, of course, there were many occasions for doubt, and I even unpack it more um, in my book. As the time passes, Lord, did I hear you wrong? Yeah. Especially when, because I was candid about my struggle with other friends and people going through infertility and trying to conceive and I pray for them and their requests comes true. So I know some stories and I know the miracles that God has done for other people. I'm like, why aren't you moving for me and, and my household? And it just started um, and then there were other people, they'd have dreams and I didn't solicit <laughs> really? their feedback and like, oh, I had a dream you were pregnant or even my grandmother. She's like, um, I pictured the baby room in this house and in, um, in this mm-hmm. room. And I'm, I'm wow. like, okay, God, you keep sending these things, but it's not happening. And I also had to have additional surgeries. Mm-hmm. So that was, the, I had three myomectomies before I even ever mm-hmm. conceived. But in that, God, he kept preserving my uterus. Mm. So when you would now in the process of all of this waiting, is that when you wrote the waiting room? Mm. That's correct. Um, one of you my- You were not pregnant. 
No, I was not pregnant when I wrote this book. So during but not on this side of it. Like no. you know, was, okay, it that's is. beautiful. That's it beautiful. Even as I read uh, read through the book recently, in one of the lines said, My husband and I are presently <laughs> waiting. Yeah. Like we are waiting. We were waiting yeah. for this. And that book, it came out of one of the ways that helped me to cope and process the waiting period was I journaled, I communed with God. So there were a lot of venting sessions and sometimes he'd redirect me as I write, point me to the hope I could find in his scripture, point me to things he was doing in my life. But in my journal, I was very candid. And um, even sometimes as I wrote in my journal, I shared things with other people, it would encourage them. And I've always enjoyed writing and wanted to write a book and I just felt him write this down, write it out and share it with people. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that even in my waiting, there were there was fruitfulness mm-hmm. of the fruit that I could bear and God wanted me to bear. So I chose this step of obedience. It was very difficult sure. to write in a book and to say, my God, the God I believe in, I think he made me a promise. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to tell the world about this promise. Mm-hmm. And even then, as I wrote some things, like there were parts of it that may be filled with hope and I know he's going to do it. It could be on a day that my cycle just started or I got a bad report from a doctor and it's like, Lord, and so is this right? So it was very hard and an emotional um, ride and journey for me. Well, I love that you said that there's fruitfulness in the waiting Mm -hmm. because one thing I think people that are listening to this, whether they're waiting in whatever, for whatever thing they're waiting for, is that what I love from your story is that you are reminding me how important it is to not turn your back on God. Mm -hmm. Because 10 years is a daggone long time, definite. And Mm -hmm. as somebody who has walked the fertility journey, it is a long 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because every month you have the chance to take a pregnancy test. And then one more time Mm -hmm. of disappointment. Mm -hmm. And so that means I am terrible at math, but that is 12 times 10. What is that? 120? Mm -hmm. 120 times that you could have been wondering, am I going to pee on this stick right? I think in my mind, you chose, and I think some woman right now needs to hear, you chose to dive into his word, Mm -hmm. even when it was painful. To to journal, even when you really didn't want to. And God showed up in that. Yes. And I mean, that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful because 10 years is a long time for fertility problems. Mm-hmm. Man, it really is. Gwen has uh, got some really good quotes. Do you have one quote? Oh, yeah. Because when she read it to me today, I was like, just shut up. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just love it so much. No matter the outcome of my fertility journey, it can never be said that I failed to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is absolutely gorgeous. Because here's what I want you to know: even a, somebody that is listening to this, mm-hmm. that their journey of fertility may not be ending with a child. Right. They need to know they're still bearing fruit. Right. It just may not be the fruit of a child. That's getting me emotional because mm-hmm. that is powerful. I mean, yes. some woman needs to hear that God has still allowed them to bear fruit. It just not may not be a kid. Right. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> you had another one too. I yeah. Well, just this beautiful thing that uh, Ben Arment um, in his recommendation, many of us long for the spirit of God to blow through our lives. 
but find ourselves waiting in a mysterious stillness. Be encouraged. Daphnette Jones wrote this beautiful and powerful book for those of us who are waiting for the wind. Mm. Daphnette, the thing I love about most about this is, is that you wrote it on, during the waiting. Yes. And so many people write books about waiting when they get what they want on the other side. Mm -hmm. And you wrote it not knowing whether or not you would. And so a group of people have the opportunity to read a book about mm -hmm. the waiting. burden and the joy of waiting, mm. knowing, you know what? Even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out, I'm still going to trust God and I still can bear fruit. Mm. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Okay. There's this, this ring. Yes. Right. Okay. So I want to ask this question. You turned in um, the book, Final copy to the editor, and so then what happened? Because that I saw that question, I'm like, dude, I want to know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so and I'll shed some insight into the writing the book world. So you go through these, you get it edited, you send it in. Um, they give you a print ready copy. You have to read that to make sure it's good. You read it a few times, then finally you approve and say, okay, this book can go to print. So after that, the book went to print. They send me my copy of it. And it was that month, December 2015, I learned that I was expecting. And talk oh about- Oh my gosh! So get this. So I started out sharing that December 2005, our first Christmas as husband and wife, I was headed into the OR for surgery. Many Christmases, I'm crying like, oh, this is the season of hope, especially surrounding fertility. Think of a very- and for many Christmases, that was not my story or my joy. I had to press through. And then all of a sudden, in December of all times, I find out I'm with child in 2015. Oh, how beautiful is that? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, that really is Emmanuel God with us. I mean, that's yeah. beautiful. That, oh my heavens. Yes, yes. And he did it. And yeah, um, even in, having experienced that, I think now in the holidays too, I can get why the angels rejoiced and the shepherds like to see God's promise unfold before you. So now I have, not only am I the recipient of that particular promise, but I have experienced the unfolding of a promise in my own life. Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> and so, and now, and now your child's three. Yes, three going on 30, but yes, she's right. <laughs> and she's not spoiled at all, I would imagine. <laughs> she's loved. She's loved and cherished. I love it. I love it. I, but now, do you, do you have, um, do, how many grandparents does she have? Uh, she has four, so both four. sets of grandparents. And I bet they just want to kiss all over her all the time. Yes, yes, yes. They I love just love her. it. We love her, too, and that she's here just to see her grow. And even, um, I'll add to that, even as a promise unfolds, how God just really delivers. The day she was born, I almost died. Three weeks later, I had another postpartum medical emergency. And yet, God, he kept her healthy. And today I'm here fully recovered and healed. So I get to actually oh. be a mother. And so oh. to her, with the challenges and the joys, all of them, like, I get to do this. Wow. <laughs> oh, my heavens. You have been through it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Do you know what I love? Here's what I love. I mean, people can't see you, but we can see you. You truly and sincerely have this glow about yes. you that you know is the yes, Holy Spirit. Me too. I don't know why it's getting yeah. emotional. Praise God. You, you really do. Praise God. 
What is wrong? <laughs> the God be the glory. Yes. To wait 10 years. Yes. And then almost die yourself. Mm-hmm. Away. Mm-hmm. And for God to give you a promise mm-hmm. before he took you through that journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in your book, um, I was telling Susan what I, what I loved is that the scientist in you comes out. <laughs> you know, it's that, all right, this is, you know, I'm going to think this through logically and mm-hmm. I'm going to figure this out. But then um, the woman comes out. That's right. Um, That's right. That is being responsive to her husband, responsive to her body, um, understanding her emotions and honestly telling us what's going on. And then a woman who wants to serve is coming out. Mm. A woman who is saying, I don't, I don't want to be envious, God. I don't want to be proud, God, Mm -hmm. you know, help me through this. And, Mm. and your honesty in it. Um, I think that it really is a book. Um, it mean, it meant a lot to me, uh, Mm. to read it, but I think that it's an amazing book for someone who finds themselves waiting Mm. for something. This, um, it, and it's a little bit for every kind of person, you know, yes, you know, yes. for the, the scientist, for the for the thinker, for the feeler, um, for the woman um, and for the man. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had men give me positive feedback, too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, people need to hear the story, even if they're not waiting for a child. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes mm-hmm. uh, people are waiting for relationships they're waiting right. for the next right job yes. they're waiting for um they're waiting for somebody to be able to take care of them financially because they can't they're waiting for health to get better they're waiting for something mm-hmm. and i think i think when i hear your story i mean i know i'm getting ready to ask our question that we ask every guest <laughs> so i want you to be able to answer it but in me when i hear this mm-hmm. it is such a reminder to me that in the waiting hearing your story, it spurs me on to want to remain in Christ, mm-hmm. remain in his word mm-hmm. and remain in talking to him, whether that is journaling, mm-hmm. whether whatever kind of prayer it is, because so often when we are in the waiting, we get callous to mm-hmm. the things of God. Yeah. And you did the exact opposite. God grew you and allowed you to bear mm-hmm. fruit in the waiting. And I just, I love that so much. Okay, so here's, here's the question that we ask every guest at the end, which I can't believe it's already the end. Are you kidding me? I know. Um, I mean, my gosh. Um, what is the one thing that you want us to remember today from your story that you want people to walk away knowing this is what I want them to know? Okay. Um, it is to believe God, but I'll unpack that. Um, I'm reminded of an account with the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He had been um, beaten and chastised for speaking the gospel in Jerusalem. And so God gives him a vision, encourages him, say, hey, you're going to be my witness in Rome, too. So fast forward, he finds himself shipwrecked and it's a hopeless situation. And God reminds him. I told you, you're going to Rome. And so when everybody's giving up hope on this ship, like just throw us overboard, Paul, he says to them, and this is found in Acts chapter 27, verse 25, he says, 
So take courage for I believe God. It will be just as he said. So the one takeaway is believe God. Believe he loves you. Believe he hears your prayers and believe he keeps his promises. Believe God. That is right. I love that. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. I do not ask many guests to do this. I think I may have asked. I think I asked Irene Rollins to do it. It's the only other person I've ever asked to do it. Would you... Would you please pray for women that are sitting in your position? Mm-hmm. Will do. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to cast our cares on you. We thank you for being such a good, good father who, who, who makes yourself available to us. We thank you for Jesus who identifies with all our sufferings and our longings, dear Heavenly Father. And Lord, um, we just thank you that we have the capacity to intercede for one another. And I come today just interceding and praying on behalf of women. And even if any men are listening to this, this podcast, Lord, interceding on their behalf as they pray, as they pour out to you, as they seek what is your will for their life, Lord. As they cast their desires and, and make their requests to you, Lord, you know exactly what they face, Lord. I pray right now in this moment that you will communicate to them in a real and relevant way that you hear them, that you love them, and you are working things out for the best in their lives and for your glory. I pray if there's someone who, who is in a, in a place of hopelessness, dear Heavenly Father, that hope will arise in them. Lord, I pray that you will place people in their paths who will speak words of encouragement, Lord, people who will not add salt to wounds, dear Heavenly Father, people who will listen, dear Heavenly Father, people who will give them permission to cry and to vent, and then to respond in a healthy way to them, dear Heavenly Father. I pray for any who need help to move forward, that you will place the right people in their path, be it pastors or counselors, dear Heavenly Father, or friends, dear Heavenly Father. And even this, this podcast, Lord, we thank you so much for it and how it can encourage hearts right now, dear Heavenly Father. I pray for that person who may be on the verge of breakthrough and they can't even see it. I pray that they will remain steadfast fast and I'm movable, always abounding in you, dear God. Lord, I pray that people will just be able to see and experience the unfolding of your promises, Lord. I pray now that you will protect them for prophecies and words that are not of you, Lord, but that was spoken to them and that the visions that they see will be in line with your will for their lives so that they may cling to them and know it's just you whispering to them, I see you, I see you, I have you, dear Heavenly Mm -hmm. Father, and that we would just be steadfast, dear Heavenly Father, And if there are changes, of course, that we may have to take, Lord, I pray that we would do it in confidence that that you know us best. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of it, we will just be standing in joy and gratitude because we have a father who sees and knows exactly what we need. I pray for the individual who may have turned their back on you and they're no longer reading scripture, Lord. I pray that they will open up their Bibles or maybe they've never opened the Bible. I pray that they will open it this day and just see how you work, dear Heavenly Father, in the lives of men, women, and couples just like us, Lord, and just see the story of your faithfulness and how you are a God who truly keeps promises, Lord. This is our prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Definitely. Thank you. Is, if any of our listeners, which I know they will, want to be able to connect with you, how, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can reach me online. I'm on Instagram at Daphne Jones. That's D-A-F-N-E-T-T-E-J-O-N-E-S. They can direct message me, my email, info at DaphneJones.com. So those would be the quickest ways to connect with me. I love it. I love it. Um, well, we are going to get this up and I know that this is going to blow up because women and men alike are going to love this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. We are so grateful. You are a gift. You are absolutely a gift. And we are so grateful. Praise God. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you listeners for uh, leaning in today uh, to Daphne's story. We know we are better people. Uh, for mm-hmm. being able to be with her. So, all right, guys, y'all have a good weekend. Bye. Bye.